continuing our series today. That song is a little bit different than some of the music we've been playing. That one, uh, I don't know how many of y'all are Johnny Cash fans, but that is a Johnny Cash song. And if you haven't seen the video, it is a tremendous video. It is a video where you see him as a young man going through all of the, all of the popularity and all the great things that happened in his career. And then as he's coming towards the end of his life, he looks back and he sees some of the brokenness that's been in his life, and he sees some of the hurt and the pain that's been in his life. And I really think that as we get older, it's easy to be a little bit cynical about life, you know. I mean, just kind of go through life and all the things that we found so important in the past, making sure that we have the nicest clothes or that we have a nice house or we have, have a nice car or whatever. And we go through all of those things, and we sort of get older, and we begin to think, well, those things don't fulfill And as the song says, we begin to come to a place where we feel like we've built up an empire of dirt. You know, stuff that's just temporary and it's not lasting. Now, if you feel that way, I want you to know that is a feeling that's been around for just about since the beginning of time. King Solomon wrote about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and the first four verses. He said, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, absolute futility, says the teacher. Absolute futility. Everything is futile. What does a man gain for all his efforts that he labors under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes. Uh, Jesus himself wrote in Mark 8.36, he said, What does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Now you might be sitting here saying, Man, this is going to be a fun, positive message today. I mean, you listen to that song. Didn't that song just jack y'all up? And you thought, man, this is awesome. Uh, now, for me, that is a song I picked. So y'all can hate me later. Next week, it's Boston. But this week, I love that song because I think it's so true about who we are as people at the very core. Because I believe that at our very core, a lot of us realize and recognize that we are broken and that we are hurt and we need somebody or something to put us all back together again. Now there's some of you, and I know I've talked to you, and, and you've experienced some major hurt in your life. I mean, there, there are some of you, you know what it's like to experience the betrayal of a spouse. Some of you know what it's like to experience the loss of a loved one. You know what it's like to wonder how you're going to be able to pay next month's bills. And then there's other, others of us, and we haven't maybe had that, that extreme kind of hurt in our lives, but we've experienced disappointment. You know, we know what it's like to be disappointed in our relationships with our kids or our relationships with our coworkers. We know what it's like just to have this general sense of, you know, my, my dreams aren't exactly turning out like I hoped they would. And so as you go through life, you begin to wonder, is this it? I mean, is there, is there anything more? Is this, is this just what happens? You just sort of live and you just sort of end up all disappointed. Well, one of the neat things to discover is as we look in, into the Bible is that the God of Scripture is also a God who desires to bring healing and to, to fix broken people. 
And so it's my hope today that you're going to discover that God is a God who can fix even your brokenness. Now, it doesn't mean that if we seek after God and we have, you know, more faith, that everything just works out perfectly in life. One thing that you can discover about the Bible is it's real honest. I mean, Jesus said, he said, in this world you will have trouble. But what we see is that we have a God who ultimately will bring healing and peace in the lives of his people. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see the story of a man who was just hurting. He's a guy that as you look in the book of, uh, the book of uh, John, John chapter 5, verse 1, you'll see he's a man who was crippled. He'd been crippled for 38 years. He was broken. It didn't look like he had any chance for anybody to restore him. And he's a guy that's just hurting. But then when we look into our text, we see that Jesus comes onto the scene and changes everything. And I want you to know that Jesus can do the same thing in your life. And we're going to see from this man some actions that he was able to take in his life for healing to be able to take place in his life. And those same actions that he took in his life are the same actions that you can take in your life in order to experience healing in your life. And so we'll look in John chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, As you're turning there, I just want you to know that a great place to start reading the Bible is in the book of John. Because when you get in the book of John, you'll find out in the very first chapter, it tells us Jesus is God. Uh, You go another chapter over, a couple chapters over, it will tell you that Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. You get to chapter 5, and you find out that Jesus is a God of restoration. That he's a God who can take our brokenness, he can take our hurt, and he can actually mend our lives. And so from our text today, we're going to see Jesus doing just that. There was a man, as Jesus was going to the temple, he's going to celebrate a religious religious festival. He went to a little pool that's just outside the gates of Jerusalem. And it's called the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, Matthew and Emily and I, we've had the opportunity to go there. and We've seen it. And it was a pool that was known where people would go in order to be healed. And so there would have been a lot of sick people there trying to get healed. And so this man who'd been lame for 38 years, he's one of the people that's there hoping that he's going to get his chance to be restored. Well, it hadn't happened at this point. But when Jesus came onto the scene, Jesus worked in his life, and we saw some actions, or we'll see some actions that he was able to take to experience that healing. And same actions you can take to experience healing in your life. All right, so what are some actions we can take for healing? That's the very first one that I see in our text today. If you want healing to take place in your life, it all begins with this. Acknowledge the hurt that's in your life. And just very simply, acknowledge the hurt in your life. If you go back to verse 1 in chapter 5, it says, After this, a Jewish festival took place. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And by the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. And within these lay a multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and he'd stir up the water. Then the first one who got in the water, uh, it got in after the water was stirred, was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailment he had. And one man was there who'd been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone else goes down ahead of me. 
Now, there's a, a part of this section that I think is really interesting to me. Okay, so there's a sick guy, hasn't been able to walk for 38 years, and then if you go to verse number 6, Jesus asks him a really interesting question. In verse number 6, Jesus asks him a question, do you want to get well? Now, I mean, I'm just like, I'm naturally a smart aleck. Now, is that a strange question to y'all? I mean, I'm sitting there looking at that question. It'd be like asking a starving man, hey, would you like something to eat? No, you know, I just prefer to starve to death. I mean, Jesus comes to this guy, he's crippled. Hey, would you like to walk again? No, don't think so. I mean, you know, he's, he's at a pool that is known for healing. So why is Jesus asking the question? Was it to be mean? Well, the question actually has some merit to it. Because here's what I think all of us in some sense know. Did you know, I believe Jesus asked this question because did you know not everyone wants to be healed from the hurt and the brokenness in their lives? Did you know that? Now, there's various reasons for it. I mean, there's some people that don't want to be healed because of they're, they're prideful. They, you know, they don't want to admit they're weak. They don't want to admit that they need any help. And so they go, I'm going to grit it out. I'm going to tough it out on my own. I don't want anybody to know that I actually struggle and that I'm actually broken in life. And so that's one reason. Now, there's other people that don't want to be healed because they've allowed the damage in their life, they've allowed the hurt and the brokenness in their life to become the identifying feature of their life. And so they want to stay broken because they get attention for it. You know, they, wa- they want to stay broken because it's a way that they can receive pity from other people. Now guys, if, if you have any kind of mindset like that regarding your weakness in your life, you're not going to experience healing. Because before there can be healing taking place in your life, there has to be a time when you acknowledge the hurt that's in your life, when you acknowledge that you need the help of God in your life. If you, if you don't acknowledge that you need help, you're not going to get it. Now let me try to give you kind of a, an, an example. It's a little bit of a weak example, but whenever I was a kid... Uh, my mother was desperate for me to have a tan. Uh, my, my mom and my sister, they get, they get dark, they tan real well, and then I'm the guy that was sort of like, who's, who is he related to? I am Casper the ghost. And so I had this complex as a kid because my mother thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't tan. And so she would, she would, make, me, she would make me lie out, which is like one of my favorite things in the world to do. And so we'd go out, my mom, and y'all, if y'all, you can't tell if y'all see her, see her, she would lie out on the roof of our house because she could get the rays, you know, coming in on the, on the, hot, on the hot shingles. And so I would get up there with mom, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And so here I am, you know, Mr. Mr. White Bread, you know, laying down there and, you know, I'm covered up in like baby oil, which is crazy. And, uh, and I've got, she puts cotton balls over my eyes so my eyelids won't get fried. And so I'm sitting there, I'm totally miserable, I have to do this. And so I I get fried like a tomato, it is miserable. I hate summer to this day because of my mother. I'm a scarred, I'm a broken person. And so my mother did this to me. Now, aloe vera has been my constant companion as a child. But then finally I got to a point where I was like, you know, I don't care. I'm I'm just like really white and it ain't ever going to change. My mom even, she gave me tanning pills they turn you orange, so they're not good. So they didn't work either. So I just said, you know what, it's never going to happen. And so I found, I finally reached out and I got help. 
and it was SPF 50. And I just, I thank God for it every day. So it's wonderful. Now, I know that that's not a great example, but here's the deal. It's when you are hurting. If you're going to find healing, you have to get help. Now, I found my help. But you have to make sure that you find your help in the right source, in the right place. In in verse number 7, the man who is crippled, he acknowledged, I I can't do this on my own. I've been 38 years. I can't get into the water in time to be healed. I need somebody to help me. He began to recognize that he was in need, that he needed a divine intervention in his life. And if we're going to be healed from our brokenness, it begins there with us. And that is a recognition that we need, that we need divine intervention. That we need God to enter into our lives to change us. I mean, you have to go to the right source. If you have a heart problem, you don't go to the vet. And you you go to the heart doctor. If you are broken, because the best place that you can go is to God. Now, one thing that's interesting to me in this text is is who approached who first. And it wasn't the crippled man who approached Jesus first. It was Jesus who walked over to him. Which is a reminder to me that God is the initiator of relationship with man. Always has been. He has been with you. You say, well, I don't know, when, when did Jesus come over to me first? First Christmas. He entered into this world in order to be a mediator between God and man. And we're told in John 3.16 that Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us that we might be able to have life and to have it more abundantly that we might be, be able to experience eternal life. Our responsibility is simply to respond to the calling that God has for us. So Jesus asked the man a simple question. said, do you, do you want to get well? And the man gave the obvious answer of yes. He realized that he needed help. He realized he needed divine intervention. And my, my hope is that you'll acknowledge the hurt in your life and that you'll acknowledge that you need God to intervene into your life because it's only then that you'll be able to begin the process of experiencing healing from brokenness in your life. And that's the first thing I see in our text. He acknowledged the hurt in life. But another action to take for healing to take place in your life is very simple. So quit blaming other people. You know, whenever you, whenever you have brokenness and whenever you have struggles in your life, I think it's part of our nature that it's always somebody else's fault. We've got to quit blaming others. Uh, verse number 7. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water's stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Now, there's no doubt the guy in our text, he, I mean, he's in a world of hurt. I mean, for 38 years, he's not been able to walk. Now, this wasn't just like, it wasn't just crippling to him physically. This was crippling to him economically. Back during this day, it's not like they had, you know, workers' comp. They didn't have a welfare program. The only way he's going to be able to survive was if he begged and the people actually gave him money to be able to live. So this guy, he was, he was hurting physically, he was hurting economically, and it's here that Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get better? And what does he tell him? In verse number 7, he says, yeah, I'd love to get better, but I don't have anybody to help me. I'd love to get better, but nobody will help me. I'd love to get better, but right when I get to the water, somebody else hops in before me. I mean, this guy is, I mean, every time he's making an effort, he said, somebody else screws it all up. 
And you know, whenever there's hurt and brokenness, it has always been a part of human nature to blame somebody else for it. Go, you can go back to the book of Genesis. I mean, the very first story, Adam and Eve. Remember, God said, don't, you can have anything you want, don't mess with this one tree. Well, they do. They mess with the one tree. God comes to Adam, the spiritual leader of the family, and he comes up to Adam. Adam, what's going on? You remember what Adam said to him? He said, God, this woman that you made for me, she made me do it. He immediately shifts the blame to Eve and to God. It's not his fault. My favorite one of all time is is uh, whenever Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. He's gone for a long time. He leaves his brother in charge. You might remember Aaron's in charge. And the people are like, man, where's Moses? We've got to start worshiping to God. So let's make a golden calf. So make a golden calf. Moses hears about it from God. Moses comes down. He goes to Aaron, his brother. What are you doing? Remember what Aaron said? I love this. It's hilarious. It's tragic, but it's funny. He says, yeah, he goes, I got all the gold, and I threw it into a fire, and out came a golden calf. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. It's like, man, just miraculously, all this stuff happened. It wasn't my fault. Do you know we still do the same thing? When we have troubles, it's always somebody else's fault. You know, whenever we lash out towards somebody, well, it's because that guy's a moron. Or it's because I didn't get enough sleep. I mean, that's the, that's the real issue. And I, I can think of an excuse for every wrong thing that I've done. But when I do that, I'm only dealing with the peripheral issues. I'm not dealing with the root cause of why there's brokenness in my life. And you know what? Sometimes it's just real simple. And I'm not going to speak for you. I'll speak for myself. You know, sometimes there's brokenness and pain and hurt in my life. Real simple. Because I'm a jerk. And some of you are too. I don't know who you are. I'm just saying that. Odds are. Uh, There's other times when there's brokenness and pain and hurt in my life because I'm a tremendously selfish person. It is nobody else's fault. It is my fault. Now, this is what's interesting about our text. You know why this guy was in his condition that he was in? It's because of himself. There was actually, it was because there was sin. Listen to what Jesus said to him. He said in verse number 14, Jesus said, don't sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Now, this doesn't mean that every time there is pain and hurt in your life that it's because of sin in your life. It doesn't mean that every time there's pain and hurt in your life that it's because it's something that you've done. I mean, we all know that there are times when, when we're, we're, we're just sort of innocent, we're going along in life, and just bad stuff happens, Right? Y'all experience that? I mean, just you know, there's stuff that just happens, and you're like, well, where did that come from? Now, that's not my fault. I mean, the Bible, the Bible even speaks of issues like this. 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when fiery or, the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. But regardless of who's at fault, if you're ever going to be made whole, there has to come a time when we lay down the blame. We lay down the blame, and we come to God who has the ability to heal. And there are times when God will heal and restore completely. The guy in our text, we'll read on later, he's healed. His brokenness is repaired. Now that's the good news. Now here's the news that can kind of scare you a little bit. There are times when God will allow brokenness to remain in your life. But what he'll do is he will give you strength 
to work through the brokenness. There's an example of it in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, physically he had a problem. We don't know what it was, but he asked God, said, God, please get rid of this. You know what God told him? No. Shocking. He asked him several different times. God said, I will not make you better. Why? Well, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, it says, concerning this, he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because, I, because of Christ. For when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. Now, isn't that a great last verse there? When I am weak, then I'm strong. That is a great platitude, and we say, but I do not believe that. But you know it's true? It's when we're weak that God's power is able to work through us. There's times when you are actually stronger. You're at your strongest point when you are weak. I read a great story. It was a fun story. There's a boy, he's a 10-year-old boy, had been in a severe car accident, and he had to have his left arm amputated. Now, after he recovered, he'd been an athlete, but he, he wanted to do some sport, and he, he decided he wanted to take judo. And so he went to a teacher, and the teacher began to work with him on judo. They worked for months and months and months. And he only, the teacher only taught him one move. That was it. One move. So, I mean, the kid's working on this one move over and over again. And finally, the teacher comes to him and says, I want you to enter into a tournament. Y'all, this is a really good story, so y'all are going to ooh and off the story. So he said, I want, y'all, I want you to enter in this tournament. So the boy says, okay, okay, I'll enter the tournament. He's nervous. You know, he doesn't have a left arm, so he goes out there. And the first two matches, he pins his opponents very quickly. He wins. The boy's kind of shocked about it. He's like, wow. He's in the semifinals. Goes to the semifinals. It's a close match, but the boy's able to win again, which puts him in the finals. And he's going up against a guy that's bigger, he's quicker and stronger. They get in the finals. It's like karate kid stuff right here, okay? So they get in the finals, and as they are in the match, the, the other kid is, I mean, he's whipping up on this, this boy. And the referee comes over to the coach and says, you want me to stop the match? He goes, no, he just let it go on. And so it goes on, and the guy that's dominating the match does this one move, and that boy sees an opening, and he grabs the kid, and he pins him, and he wins. This is like an unbelievable story. The boy can't believe he wins. So what makes the story kind of fun? Ten-year-old boy, he wins. He goes over to his coach, and he's just, he's absolutely dumbfounded. He said, how did I win? He's like, I got one arm. How did I win? He said, how did I win when you've only taught me one move? That's crazy. How did I win? And the coach looked at him and said, there's two reasons why you won. Okay, this is the good part. Two reasons. He said, first reason. He said, I taught you the hardest move in all of judo. And you've learned it. Here's number two. He said, the only defense when you make that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. And you don't have one. (laughs) Isn't that great? That boy, his greatest weakness was his greatest strength. Guys, let me tell you something. When you are broken, and there are times when God is not making everything work out like you want it to, and you're seeking after him, God knows something more than we do. It is possible for your greatest weakness to end up being your greatest strength in life. Now, how do we experience healing in the midst of brokenness? 
Acknowledge the hurt in your life. Quit blaming other people. And this is the last one. Be willing to be stretched. You know, let God stretch you. Last couple of verses I'll read. Verse number eight. That's what Jesus said. He said, get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your bedroll and walk. Instantly the man got well. He picked up his bedroll and started to walk. Now that, that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your bedroll. He replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your bedroll and walk. Now, here's where Jesus stretched this guy. You get to verse number 8. Jesus comes to a guy who's not walked in 38 years, and he says, get up. That's either a tremendously mean thing to say, or Jesus is up to something. He says, get up. Pick up your bedroll and walk. And what does the guy do? He picks up his bedroll, and he walks for the first time in 38 years. Now, guys, that right there is a picture of Jesus. He is stretching this man far beyond his own abilities. And there will be times in your life when God will stretch you far beyond your own abilities. When you think, there's no way I can do that, you've got to remember the story. God called a man to do something that he could not do on his own. Jesus was telling this man, he said, listen, you're going to have to trust me. And you're going to have to get up. And have faith, literally take a step of faith that I have power to restore you in the midst of your brokenness. Yeah, I'm afraid there's a lot of us who are enslaved by brokenness in our lives. We're enslaved by unforgiveness. When God says, I've called you to forgive, and we're afraid to do it because we want justice. And we want to hang on to our anger and our bitterness. And yet the Bible tells us that bitterness becomes a foothold for the devil to do a work in our lives. Some of us are afraid to move out of relationships that we know do not honor God. And we won't move out of those relationships because we're afraid we're going to be alone. Not believing that God says, I can supply every one of your needs. There's some of us who've allowed our deficiencies, our our physical deficiencies in life to define us because we're afraid that God doesn't have the power to work through our weaknesses. And then others of us, we're just angry at God that he'd even allow hurt in our lives in the first place. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that your hurts and your pains aren't valid. Some of you have experienced things that I've heard about that I can't even identify with. And I don't even know how some of you survived some of the stuff that you've gone through. But I am saying this, God is big. And God is powerful. And it's time for some of us just to trust him. Because you know what, when we're broken, the fact of the matter is, the stuff we're doing, it ain't working. That's why we're still broke. That's why I like this story so much. It's almost, it's got 38 years. He has not walked in 38 years. And Jesus tells him to get up. Would, I mean, why would you do that? You're like, man, that guy's mean. But, you know, but the, the guy finally came to a place where he's like, hey, man, I'll give it a shot. I'm broken. This guy's saying this to me. What do I have to lose? And what does he do? He gets up and he walks. There are some of us, God is calling you and calling me to do things that are a little bit fright on the frightening side. We think we don't have the power to do it. If you want to get over, if you want to experience victory over brokenness, you have to move, be, to, be at a place in your life where you say, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot.
And my guess is, or my belief is, that you're probably going to end up doing something that you've never done in your life. You're going to start living. For some of you, it means that you're, for the first time, you're going to forgive. For some of you, it's going to mean, for the first time, that you're going to see people as people who need God and that you are an ambassador for Jesus. For some of us, it's going to mean that we are going to be generous for the first times in our lives. We live in a world of death and despair. That's not the kind of world that Jesus had intended when he made it. He intended this to be a place of life and hope. Guys, we're all broken, but we have a God who restores. Now, the question is, are you ready to be restored? I believe there are many of us who are believers already. We have hurt and pain in our lives, various levels of it. My encouragement for you today is just simply to talk to God and say, God, I'm broken. I'm acknowledging the hurt I have in my life. God, heal me. God, help me to forgive. You know, even though I don't want to, Lord, just help me to be obedient to you. You know, I, I, make, I choose to be obedient to you. And there's others of you today, and it could be that you're, you are completely broken spiritually in your walk with God. You don't even have a walk with God. Today, let me encourage you to call out to him, to come into your life, and to heal you. If I could start again, a million miles.